Hi, welcome to Little Taste of Everything. I'm Lexi. And I'm McKinley. And today we are talking about sourdough. All things sourdough. So fortunately, I've had an experience with sourdough pretty much my whole life, yeah. I feel like. So my great-grandpa, um, Keith, he actually was the one that kind of... Actually, he wasn't really the one that started it because... It was started a long time before that, but sourdough has been in my dad's family for a really long time, and it's been a tradition to make sourdough pancakes, and um, it was actually mostly sourdough pancakes. We grew up eating... Yeah, that's what you knew mm-hmm. sourdough as in your household mm-hmm. were sourdough pancakes. Because we didn't really do a lot of breads or anything like that, but we did pancakes all the time. Right. Every Christmas Eve, or lately, it's actually been the last probably... I don't know, six or seven years, maybe. Um, my parents have put on a Christmas Eve breakfast, and my dad makes sourdough pancakes. And so that's they kind are of tradition. so good. If you have never had sourdough pancakes, you are missing out, and you need to search for them. Yeah, except for we were in Alaska, and we oh, there was right. a restaurant. There was a restaurant that was advertising sourdough pancakes, and I was so excited because sourdough pancakes. And we sit down to eat them, and oh my gosh. They were awful. So my dad tones down his sourdough. And toning down, and, and toning down, I mean, he he makes it so it's not as, he says hot, but that also doesn't explain what it is. Basically, he feeds it more frequently instead of letting it sit and get really hot sour. and sour. Yeah. Um, and so he tones it down a lot for us because he knows we don't like sour pancakes so it's a very subtle sour taste to his pancakes which is probably why they're so good and why we really like them but the texture of them is also so good i didn't mean to get on this tangent of your dad's pancakes but i tried making sourdough pancakes the other morning oh how did they turn out they were really good like we still liked them and ate them but they were not kevin's sourdough pancakes really no they kevin's sourdough pancakes are light and Mm -hmm. airy and thin and mine were a little more tough and thick. Okay. So definitely, I guess our whole point of that is you cannot compare all sourdough pancakes yeah. to be the same because they're not. And I wonder too if that's also because our start. So so with sourdough, you have to create a start. It's essentially flour and water. That's fermented. Mm-hmm. And my dad's start that he's used for years is actually a start that has was started like a hundred plus years ago, um, which kind of sounds gross, but it's actually pretty cool that it's been in the family for so many generations, and it's still it's one of those things that could just continues to be able to grow once you feed it that it just grows and grows and grows and and I wonder if it's because my start I've tried to make it a little more sour because I like bread more sour. And so I'm wondering if that affects the pancakes. I don't yeah, think it Yeah, because you gave me your start. Yes, because to... I broke mine off yeah. to give Lexi. Could be. I don't know. I think it also could just be different recipes because I didn't use your dad's recipe to make them. Oh, you didn't? Mm-hmm. Oh, it could be different recipes then. So, but the, yeah. and it does, if you think about it, it does kind of sound gross to think like, oh, this start has been used for years <laughs> and years, but really it's not because... You're feeding it and taking from it constantly. So it's like a constant exchange going on in within the sourdough starter that allows it to not be like this 
old crusty flour that you might be thinking of that's mm-hmm. like 100 years old. It's not because you're adding new flour to it and new water to it and you're also taking from it to make whatever you're making so on and so forth. Yeah, so. yeah, that's that's why it doesn't make it so gross. Right. <laughs> but over Christmas this last year in 2020, well, start of start of when the Arona hit, I was very intrigued with bread making and doing doing different things at home and I don't know if it was because I was just trying to I don't know, realize that oh, if there's something that we can't have, how can I make something out of nothing or out of the littlest things we can have and also I just kind of started to enjoy it I don't normally love being in the kitchen as much as Lexi does Mm -hmm. and this kind of started spurring that intriguement of cooking things and letting things grow and now you call her to say hey Nan what's up and she's literally always in her kitchen she's like I was making some bread (laughs) it's like we can't get her to stop making bread the other thing with sourdough is it's like a child. You do have to babysit it. And that we'll, is true. And we will get into that too because it, it takes some some babysitting. Yeah. But in December, I asked my dad, um, sorry, backtrack. Christmas, we, we wake up Christmas morning and my parents had had some homemade stoneware crocs made up um, to keep the sourdough in. And tell them what a croc is because I... Did not you had to teach me what a crock was? So a crock is a ceramic um, jar, basically container. Like if you saw one, you'd probably go, "Oh, that makes sense." But it's it's someone who does ceramics is makes it. So it's not like it's not glass, it's not plastic, it's, stone it's ceramic, yeah. it's stoneware. And um, we had been telling I had been telling my mom I said it'd be really cool because my dad always had a crock in the fridge full of his sourdough start. And so I said it'd be cool for all of us to have one. And so Christmas time we got one. And so that Christmas break, I got some of my dad's start. And this is kind of where I started to experiment with sourdough bread making. And I looked at different recipes. I found different recipes. Um, I think we had tried it. We tried a couple. We at least tried a couple. Uh-huh. Um, and I've kind of finally landed on one that I really like. I tried some with my friends, um, Mason and Cade as well. They came down and they had a different recipe and we tried that. And I think I've landed in the middle where I have a recipe that I really like. It is good. And she's been also experimenting with using whole wheat and just normal white flour too. Mm-hmm. And seeing the ratios of that in the bread and what it does to the flavor and texture and density. And that's also been interesting too, kind of trying to get a better feel for that. Oh, totally. The other thing that's interesting, and there's a whole sourdough world out there and I don't pretend to know all of it, but um, there's a lot of different things on like the proteins of the flour. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, but I don't know I And I need, it. and that's my, that's the next thing on my list because apparently certain flour has higher protein and when it has higher protein, it, it makes it a little bit more, um, they call it open crumb which means it has more like holes in it and looks a little bit more like sourdoughy, I guess if that makes sense, but there's a whole 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 world of sourdough making and we and I've only just kind of delved into it. Um oh yeah. So gluten is a protein. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. So it yeah. just depends on how much gluten there is. I just typed that to her and she just read it because <laughs> she mentioned the proteins of the bread. I'm like, "Well, gluten is a protein." And I said that weird yeah. gluten is a protein and that kind of 
also changes with sourdough. And so yeah. I, I, that's kind of where my train of thought was going with that. Mm-hmm. But back to what you were saying. Um, no, there's just like the whole different world and where you're using natural yeast. It's actually really cool, I think. Uh, side note, natural yeast is also your sourdough start. That is one and the same. Yes. So natural yeast or sourdough start, it means the same thing, which I didn't know at first. Yep. I didn't, I didn't know that either at first. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that's really cool. Cause I started making it and I was realizing that honestly, the only thing that goes into sourdough is flour, water and start and start and salt. Yeah. Those four ingredients. You have nothing else. And you get this delicious artisan <laughs> bread that, t- that has way more complex flavors than just normal bread. Than just normal bread with more minimal ingredients. And we had been talking about it too because we all have a little bit of um, sensitivity, I guess. I Bryn, my sister, has quite a bit of sensitivity to gluten, dairy. Because she has a lot of sensitivities. And I've started to, unfortunately, feel like I'm developing these sensitivities where I start to feel sick after I eat certain things or an amount of certain things and we are talking about it and um sourdough helps with the gluten and kind of tones the gluten down so it's not as right what's the what that's what some researchers say they say that it does kind of almost eat away at the gluten so there's not as much of it but we haven't actually proven that no but I do feel yeah. that I don't feel as heavy after I eat a piece of sourdough like right. I do if I eat like a piece of like bread, you right. know, Which I don't I agree feel as with. heavy. Um, they also, there's some studies that also say that sourdough bread or sourdough, I guess products made from sourdough, um, have a lower glycemic index. So your blood sugar doesn't rise as much when you eat those sourdough products as it does with let's say just regular bread, which is really cool. I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. I've known people, I've heard of people that can eat sourdough bread, even they struggle with celiac or gluten intolerance and they still can handle sourdough bread. Right. And they also, I've also been reading some things that have, because I've been now kind of delving into that rabbit hole of sourdough too, since you've been (laughs) interested. It is a rabbit hole. (laughs) And I, it's a fascinating what, you can learn about sourdough, but some people also say that it's a prebiotic as well, which means it's just like a healthy bacteria for your digestive tract. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really neat too. I mean, I like I said, I need to research that more, but... Totally. And off on a slight tangent, but the prebiotic and probiotics, we know that that helps our, our digestive system, but that's what plays a part in a lot of our, um, like inflammation. Like I know if you're, if you have healthy, good gut in your digestive tract, you have lower inflammation, which helps you then in the long run to not have as much health issues or right different things like that. I'm sure that has to play a part of it of why you do feel better when you eat sourdough because of that reason. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. So I kind of want to just walk through a little bit the process just because it is like a babysitting job and it can get a little bit tedious, but I have come to really enjoy it. I think I've made it weekly for 
since December, so probably a couple months now. I like to experiment at least once a week and I've started to learn things like what not to do, what makes it better and what makes it worse because sourdough a lot of times deals with temperature. So depending on where you're located or where you live, if it's colder outside, things are going to take longer. If it's super warm outside, it's going to be super fast. Which goes for all breads. But, true. But Very yes, true. definitely with sourdough, I do feel like maybe even it's a little bit more temperamental. I don't I, know. I think so too. I think so too. But McKinley has learned a lot about it and I keep telling her, I do think it's a little bit running in her blood yeah. from her, <laughs> in her genetics. Yeah. And her genetics from her family's experience of sourdough. Cause every, we were laughing about it the other night. Cause usually and not always not always basically 100% of the time McKinley's calling me to ask kitchen (laughs) questions and with sourdough I am having a hard time picking up on it and I am calling her like every step of the process like wait FaceTime me look at it now does it look normal what do I need to do differently it's not working what what am I doing wrong I'm just trying to pick up on this whole idea of sourdough and McKinley is really picking up on it. So yes, I'm excited to hear her tips. Which is shocking because well, I like Lexi said, she's the I'm always calling her going, Okay, what? I don't even know. I've asked you like probably the dumbest questions. I'm like, can I use tinfoil on this or No, no, not dumb questions. <laughs> but, but I'm always calling her, so it's fun for her to be able to call me for probably one thing, one and only. But <laughs> I like it. I like yes. where it's going. Um, but I wanted to walk through so having a sourdough start can be so you can create your own start yes um my mother-in-law actually tried and I think she had a little bit of a hard time because I do think it can be pretty temperamental mm-hmm. um and I fortunately have not had to create my own start I'm hoping soon I would love to create my own start to practice creating one um I think I still just like the aspect that mine is like 100 plus years old and yeah, I like, it's like the, your family history yeah, in I the like kitchen. the history of it but um, I think it'd be fun to create one. So there's plenty of resources out there if you are needing to create a sourdough start, if you listen to this and want to create, eat sourdough bread. If you live in St. George, please message us and I can give you some of my start. Or if you don't live in St. George, there's a lot of resources to teach you how. Some bakeries actually also let you go and oh. they'll give you some, they'll either just give it to you or sell you some sourdough start. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good to know. That's a really good resource. Yeah. So if like you're a little scared to start your own at home, you could maybe try that first. Because I feel like it helps to like have the start already and try to learn the ropes of sourdough. Instead of starting from ground zero. Yes. Before delving into creating your own start and then making bread from there. So. Totally agree. Okay. So So lots of good resources on that. So what I found, and I've had to kind of learn this with helping Lexi, with the start it needs to be pretty thick. Because at first, I my dad, because he does pancakes, he kind of likes it a more of a pancake batter um, consistency. But I found that my start goes crazy, meaning it um, doubles in size quicker and more effectively when it's thick. So I don't know, I don't know really the science behind that, but there's some science behind it. <laughs> and so tell us how, okay, so you kind of said we want a good consistency with our start, but okay, so we have our start, we have it in our jar, and McKinley kind of touched on this. Um, there's certain materials that you don't want to have your sourdough start come in contact with. Yes. So 
before we get too far in, I just wanted to bring that up. And that's why she was talking about the stoneware Crocs because it does well in glass yep. and ceramics. Mm -hmm. um, and you can do it in plastic. And okay in plastic, mm -hmm. but no metal. No, metal actually will kill. Um, and so a little piece of information too. Um, I don't think it's, you can't store it in metal, but like my dad will use like a metal spoon to stir it occasionally. Right. And I will use a metal spoon if I can't find something else. So using it in that way isn't going to right, kill like it. Right, like briefly, mm -hmm. but storing it in metal is harmful. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You can't store it in metal. So I wanted to touch on that. It. So, so we have that understanding now mm -hmm. and so we're going to go back to the consistency of our sourdough start once we have it in our proper container. And yep. that's where you're saying we want the thicker consistency. Yep. Yep. So when I ask my dad how to feed it and cause you have to feed it, it's literally like a child. Yeah. You have to feed it. You have to monitor it. You have, you have to, to water sure. it. <laughs> yeah. All the things. Give it sunlight. But I asked. It's like a plant. It honestly is. But I asked my dad because I kind of try to get I try to ask him questions because obviously he's used it for so many years. He's kind of an expert. And he's like, well, you just got to do da, 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 da. Or he's like, you just got to pour it in. And I'm like, well, but that gives me no information. Right. And he's just done it for so long that he doesn't even have to think about it. And me, I have to mentally be like, okay, if I take it out of the fridge on Thursday, I feed it, then it's ready to go by Friday and blah, 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 blah. Like I have to really be thinking about it. So I've had to do a lot of research on my own because my dad's just like, just do it. Just pour it in. Like he doesn't measure anything because I was like, well, how much flour? Because, okay, so when you feed your start, it's flour and water. And I was like, well, how much flour do I do? And he's like, well, you just put it in. And I'm like, well, <laughs> how much? Like, and yeah. his water is the same thing. And so, and a lot of people will tell you differently how much flour and water but I kind of followed his rule of thumb and do it based on consistency which I don't know if it's good or bad some people say to do a half or a fourth a cup of flour and a fourth a cup of water each time you feed um but it kind of depends on that but I kind of got ahead of myself because when you take it out to use it you have to you have to feed it and you have to let it sit for about 24 hours and when she says take it out, she means out of the fridge. Yes. You store it in your fridge long term, and that almost puts it in a dormant state, right? Correct, yeah. And so when you take it out and it comes back to room temperature, it then starts to become more active. And that's then why you want to feed it, because mm -hmm. it kind of eats through the flour that you fed it last so, time, So right? most of the time when you take it out of the fridge, it's going to have like a kind of a thin line of liquid, basically. Which essentially means it's hungry. It's kind of telling you, hey, I need to eat. I need food. So that's when you, and most of the time when you take it out of the fridge, you discard. So you get about a fourth of a cup um, and either dump it down your drain, dump it in the garbage, or there's a lot of discard rececipes um, that you can, you know, if you're wanting to make. That's what I made my pancakes yes, from. Yes, yep, yep. If you're wanting discard. to make pancakes, you can use it that way. Um, so you discard some and then you feed it with, you know, kind of however much you think, um, whether it's a fourth a cup of flour, a fourth a cup of water, mix it up, get it pretty, it's a, I like mine pretty thick. Like a thick pancake batter. Uh -huh. And consistency. And then you do need to let it sit for about, I like to let mine sit for 24 hours, but also I think depending on your location, temperature, all those things, you can let it sit for less. 
but it does need to double in size. And get bubbles kind of throughout the mixture. Yep. And definitely a lot of bubbles on top. That was an important step that you taught me, that mm -hmm. the bubbles are kind of like a big telltale sign to say if it's ready or not. Yeah. And it, yeah, so in a glass like mason jar, you can see. Which has been good for me with my yeah. like beginners learning. Mm -hmm. And I'll have to post some, I'll have to do like a post on our Instagram with some pictures so you can visualize. Um, and we'll have a highlight on our page as well so you can visualize all this. But you take it out, you feed it, you let it sit for 12 hours, it's ready to go. Um, you find a recipe you like. I like one that I found from an Instagram account called Ballerina Farm, and I feel like it's very, um, farm-like. Like rustic. <laughs> like kind of rustic. Like I feel like I, I don't know why, but it's very simple ingredients, and you basically mix it by hand. Actually, you do mix it by hand. Everything is by hand. Yeah. So I found it really intriguing and interesting. So you take it out, um, you find your recipe. I'll walk you through my recipe just because that's what I like to use. Um, but you add your start and your water and you mix it up. Um, and then you add your flowers and you mix it by hand and you need it for about two minutes. Um, you have to kind of get it into like a, a ball dough looking shape. They say it, it's kind of shaggy at this point. Yeah, well, in this recipe, it's not going to be shaggy. Okay. Um, it's actually, it looks like a, well, you can make it into like a round loaf if you need it for long enough. Um, and then you let it sit for about 20 minutes. So this is where your timer is. I feel like all the, all the days I make sourdough, my husband's like, Alexa, stop. Alexa, stop. Because the timer's I, just going off constantly Because I have all so day. many timers that I put through Alexa, but... 20 minutes, you come back, you add the remainder remainder of your water and salt, and you mix it up. And this is where it gets um, kind of more shaggy isn't the right word because it's more wet, but you have you really have to knead it for about five minutes in order to get it all incorporated because you want that water and everything. And it's going to be kind of uh, sticky and wet a little bit. Tacky. And tacky. Then you let that sit for 20 minutes. Then you come back and then you have to start your stretch and folds. It's a process. It is a process. And the stretch and folds, there's a lot of different techniques out there. Um, you'll, I'll have it in our highlight the way I do it. Um, but you stretch and fold it and then you set another timer for 20 minutes. <laughs> and then, actually I think it's 30, 20 or 30 minutes. Then you come back, you stretch and fold it again. Then you set another timer for 30 minutes. Then you stretch and fold it again. And then that's your last stretch and fold. <laughs> and then we get to bake it finally. No. Oh. You don't get to bake it after Dang that. It. Okay, how long does it wait after that? How long does it need to rest? So most recipes will probably say you're, it's called the bulk fermentation. Yeah. And my recipe says four hours. And for a while, I just let it sit for four hours. Yeah. But then it was getting too sticky to even work with. And I was like... That's when I have to do my trial and error and research. And I was realizing I was letting it sit for too long. So right now in my kitchen, it's probably 72 degrees. And it sits for maybe an hour and a half to two hours before it's doubled in size. And, and then that's what that you're looking point, for. Then she's ready to form her loaf. Yep. Score the top and, and bake then, it. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole other, you have to let it sit for like an hour between each of those processes. Right. And then you bake it. So... It's a process. 
yeah, so if you want more information on that, definitely it does help to have visuals with it. So that's why McKinley was saying she'll post it on our Instagram page. Yeah. But there's a lot of really intriguing things. It's worth trying. I think some people don't have the patience for it, and that's okay because it does take – I mean, and you kind of have to be home all day. I was going to say, I have to do it on a day that I know I'm going to be home, which mm-hmm. is sometimes hard, but – Yeah, yeah. So it makes it – it makes fun. And then you get these pretty – and there's also a ton of tools. Like I have um, – they're called proving baskets. Um, they provide a kind of a good um, – look it's a round uh oh my gosh ring look I don't know I'll like I said we'll have visuals but and you have like the scoring knives or the blades that you can use to make cool shapes and and designs on and the designs top of the bread. yeah mm-hmm. so there's a lot of really the sourdough world is a big world it is <laughs> I'm now realizing that <laughs> it is a big world but it's a fun world to be a part of yeah Makes us give a lot more credit to all the sourdough people out there. I know. That they do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a lot. Makes me want to go back to Bowden Bread oh, in San Francisco I and appreciate it a little bit more. I was that. I was like, I want to go back and really like taste it and see how it tastes. We should do that. Okay. Let's We're, go. Let's just go to San Francisco. And go to the Bowden, Bowden Bread because bread. that would be so fun. And really yeah. see how, it's, how it tastes. And try to like copy sourdough fun because it's like an old world recipe. Yeah. Well, you had you, tell them how your recipe the other day that we thought failed. Oh yeah. And well, that's what McKinley was saying right before we started this is she was like, yeah, sourdough's cool because it is a little bit more forgiving. Because um, on Saturday I wanted to make a loaf or two of bread. I was making two loaves, and. I don't know exactly. I think it's that I didn't let my start sit at room temperature for long enough, but it had doubled in size. I had like good bubbles throughout it. I did the water test, which you can Google that, mm-hmm. um, to see if it was ready. And it all had signs of being ready. So I went on, I was making my bread. And then when I let it go through the bulk fermentation period, where basically you're letting it just rest for a more extended period of time without touching it, it didn't double in size. And I FaceTimed McKinley and I'm like, what did I do wrong? And we couldn't quite no, pin down it what it was. But at that point in time, it was late that night and I didn't want to stay up to bake it. So I just stuck both of them in the fridge. Mm-hmm. And the next morning I pulled them out and they had Rosen some more Oh, overnight. they did? Mm-hmm. See, and I was wondering if it would do that. Yes, yes, you were wondering that. And it did rise a little bit more mm-hmm. overnight mm-hmm. and then... I formed my loaves and let them rest again, and then I preheated my oh yeah your Dutch oven Dutch ovens in the oven, popped them in, baked them, and they actually came out really nice and they tasted really good. And I even had other people taste them too mm-hmm. to see if like what they thought and <laughs> they, they were good or not. They were good, and, and so, that's the so best it part worked about out. It. And I thought it was going to be a total total flop. The only reason I baked them is because I was like, well, I'm going to throw them away anyways. Mm-hmm. And then they worked out. And I think that's the best part about sourdough is there's is it's a, kind of forgiving. It is very it's forgiving in certain aspects and then not in others. Oh, but I know also, that is true. But also, there's so many different ways. Like the fact that it tasted good, you're like, oh, like even if you think, and there's some, like we had, we did an experiment one time and it was completely just runny in our hands and that's when we were like, okay, it's probably not gonna, 
even bake at this point and we couldn't even form it into loaves Mm -hmm. so we didn't even worry about it but with yours it's like oh yeah might as well try and the fact that they turn out so it it's just a it's a trial and error thing yeah and it's definitely one of the things that like you just have to do your own research with and just try your own hand at it that's like the best best way to learn it yep yeah, or else you'll never, because yeah, or else you'll never learn. Yeah. You have to literally do trial and error. One weekend, I think I made like six loaves because oh gosh. I was trying to. You were to... bound and determined to get it figured out. Because <laughs> my first one That's I messed funny. up, so I did another one. And anyways, but this is our sourdough intro. Um, Hopefully, eventually, once we kind of even get more versed in it, we can do delve even more deeper down the rabbit hole but it's a very great place to start for beginners because we are beginners true (laughs) so we are trying to figure it out right now too yep yeah well thanks for joining us again on another podcast episode and we'll chat later bye